Hey you guys, welcome to the Horse Trader's Diary. I am stepping in my car, so for those of you who are new here, I am Tara Sanders and this is my podcast. So this week's been a shit show, like a bona fide shit show. You know, like do you ever have one of those weeks to where like it's Friday and you're just I don't know if it's because, like, Mercury's coming out of retrograde for one thing, or if it's because we're, like, upon a new moon. Well, actually, a full moon. And it's a blue moon. Not a new moon. It's a full moon. And it's a blue moon, and there's just a lot astrologically wrong with all of that. I don't know. I'm just telling you. So, my mayor last week, I made a podcast and explained to you guys that we found out her C6 and C7 were injured. And... We got home, well, Sunday had been a week, and so I went out to do, like, PEMF treatment on her for the first time. Actually, I take that back. Yeah, it had been seven or eight days on Sunday. Went out to do a PEMF treatment on her and to hook up the trailer and then to go to the barrel race in Leesville with my, uh, my good, one of my good mares, my mare that we call Rachel. Her name is S.O. She's a Famous Gal. And upon arriving, Rachel had kicked through the fence and took her to the vet. Well, I called several vets to have them come out. Ended up taking her to the vet. And the vet was like, oh, this is no big deal. You know, gave her some penicillin because that's all that was in the clinic at the time. Because it was just a local vet. And uh, I got some powdered, like some powdered butte because I just didn't have any. Um, The next morning... I go out and she has cellulitis and I'm not talking, I'm not talking like a little bit of inflammation. I'm talking like her entire leg is as big as a tree trunk. So load her up, get her to the vet clinic. Um, they ended up having to do exceed. She's on Uniprim, Butte. I mean, they, what they ended up getting the infection under control with was Batril, which is like a serious, um, antibiotic. And just sucked, you know, like it was just kind of one of those deals to where like I finally get time to go to the barrel race and I'm just going to work on glow with my PEMF machine and load up my mares and go to the race. And it's going to be such a good Sunday. And fuck no, I end up at the vet clinic again. And, you know, like in moments like that, when stuff like that happens, I know I'm not the only one. I know all of you guys have felt this way. But like as you're loading them on the trailer, you can't help but in the back of your mind be like, why do I do this to myself? Like I have such a good job and such a fun life. Like why do I own personal horses? Because I can buy all the horses in the world to resell. Why do I own personal horses? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, because I love them and I love them. That's why. So I love that mare when I got to the vet clinic and she was like laying her head into my shoulder and just, you know, I was like, okay, like I love her and this is why I do this, but still just like gut wrenching and you have like all that negative, you know, like it never fails. You just can't help but like have to talk yourself off the negative tree. So then let's fast forward to this week. I bought a project, a super nice project. He is a finished cutter And some people had him and the guy um, went off shore to pipeline and his wife just really doesn't know anything about horses. And anyway, long story short, when he came home, the stud was turned out with the mares and breeding season's over and the stud and the mares were all pretty thin. They were pretty thin. So he went ahead and um, decided to like liquidate. So I bought the stud and I really like him. He is by a son of smart little Lena. And he's out of an own daughter of Doc's Hickory. So he's got great lines up close. So I have a lady that contacts me and she's like, hey, I just, I really love him. Um, Would you be interested in selling him? So I message her back and I'm like, you know what? I would sell him, you know, before I put a lot more time. Like he's been here, I think two weeks or something. And at this point, he's been here three weeks now. He looks better. You know, he's looking good. He's gaining weight. He finally kind of looks like something. And because he's getting fed every day, he feels good. So when you turn him out, he, you know, spunks up and kind of looks like he's got a lot of class to him as he's out there like, you know, trotting around and looking like a macho man. So I'm like, yeah, you know, and she's like, well, I have um, a farm here in Florida and I raise quarter horses and I'm like, oh yeah. And she's like, well, I used to raise Arabians and I would normally say that should have been red flag one, except for I have a couple of customers 
that every time we get Arabians in to go to slaughter, they call and, you know, they pitch in and, and get them good homes. And I'll be honest, some of the Arabian customers that we have are like the nicest people and just really good to their horses and just really good customers. And so my opinion of like Arabians and Arabian owners is really not shit because I've got such great customers that own Arabians and I see people all the time online that are like, oh, you should have known she was crazy the moment she told you she rode an Arabian. And I'm like, well, my Arabian customers are like some of the best. Well, this lady is like the fucking cat lady of the horse world. So she stands some Arabians. And as she starts sending me pictures, I start realizing these aren't like the superior quality Arabians. These are like backyard bred Arabians. You know, they're like great, great grandsons of whatever, you know. So anyway, she starts telling me she's got a quarter horse mare. Now she's looking for a quarter horse stud. So I start seeing like some red flags. So anyway, I, I had posted some photos of him. So she's seen him. She's seen his papers. And she's like, yeah, I did some research. And like his sire stood for 2500 and his uh second sire which is smart little lena i've never heard it called a second sire so she tells me his second sire which is his sire sire is uh smart little lena and she starts like telling me all about smart little lena like i didn't already know and i'm like yeah you're right like okay so then she tells me, yeah, and Doc's Hickory, like, this horse has um, world-class lines. Like, I think this is the kind of horse that if I buy, he can get me in the Hall of Fame. And I'm like, oh, God. So anyway, fast forward. I just, I'm trying to be very nice, you know, because I don't want to be a dream killer. I'm like, yeah, like, this 12-year-old stud that I basically rescued is going to get you in the AQHA Hall of Fame. So she tells me that she's been looking up some cutting trainers and she's thinking maybe she might put him back in cutting training. And I mean, like, I, you know, whatever, I'm listening. And then she says in the end, she's like, I'm going to go ahead and send you my mayor's papers and I want your opinion of her. So she sends me like her mayor's papers. Y'all, y'all, I really didn't have much to say. I was like, oh, okay. So then she tells me that she found another mare on Craigslist. So then I start realizing, like, I'm, I'm like four days into talking to this lady. And I don't do that. Like, I'm the kind of person, if you're going to buy a horse from me, like, you pay me. I put it in private care. You find transportation. You get your horse to you. Like, send me a text with some updates. It makes my day. I love it. Like, you know, brief correspondence. Like, hey... Romeo's doing great. Here's an update. And I'm like, oh my God, looks amazing. Because I do love updates. But I'm not trying to have full-on conversations. You guys have to understand, my very best friends in this entire world will tell you, I am a friend of few words. Like, if I send you a paragraph in a text, it's because Jacob is wilding. And I'm probably needing you to talk me off the ledge of killing him so that I don't go to prison because I look terrible in orange. And I also wouldn't be able to ride my horses from there. So, I, let's just start there. <laughs> like, I'm I'm just not, like, a text back and forth all day. Like, one of my very best friends, Lauren, is a lawyer, and she works. Um, and one of her, like, she's a lawyer. She's a brilliant attorney, but, like, one of her jobs is she's, like, the children's defense attorney for the state of, of Louisiana. Like, she does a lot of cases in Rapids Parish. So she's, she's just brilliant and she defends children and it's like her passion. That's her, you know, we all like, even me, my passion is to make sure that the good quality horses don't go to slaughter. Her passion is to make sure that kids don't go back into sex trafficking homes. Like, I mean, we all have, um, something we love or whatever. And hers is just very much more like gut wrenching and strenuous than mine. But she will text me and I will text back and then she has even said we've been friends for like almost two years now but after the first year she finally said that she is starting to get it you know that I just don't like she used to say that my t responses made her feel like was I uninterested or you know like god you know maybe like, maybe I'm not, I don't really want to text. But then when we would sit down to dinner or lunch, 
I would go into being like, oh, well, I read that text and blah, 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 blah. And she'd realize, like, I had read it and I did pay attention and I really put thought and focus into it. But, like, I want to talk to you about it. I don't want to text back and forth. So, this lady has had my attention for four days through text message and carrying on, like, lengthy-ass conversations like we're friends or something. And I'm just not about it. So then she sends me the mare she found on Craigslist and I text her back and I'm like, look, if you're looking for some quarter horse mares to breed, let me just go ahead and make a couple calls. Like I, I mean, I've got lots of friends with great quality mares and she's like, well, I love this mare and she is um, a black, but look, she, look how buckskin she was. And I'm like, what? Anyway, sends me the picture and like, it's a black mare that in the summer, or it's like a dark brown mare that in the summer had like sun bleached buckskin. So I tell her, no, that's just a brown horse that sun bleached. And she's like, oh no. And on proper nutrition, I can get this to be true buckskin and it will just up her price. And I'm like, oh God. So I finally text her back and I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm really not trying to be shitty to you, but you know, if you're interested in the stud horse, let me know. I can send you an invoice for him. If you're not interested, it's fine. But I'm going to go ahead and put him on Facebook because now that I've thought about selling him, it's probably the best thing I can do for him because he does have great genetics and he really does need to go to somebody that, that's got some mares. I mean, his genetics are great and he's so sound-minded. Like, this is the most easy-to-be-around, brilliant. I mean, this horse has got more freaking sense in him than anything I own I would love to have a baby by him personally to ride later, you know? So anyway, she's like, yeah, she's like, let me talk to my husband. And I'm like, like you, you messaged me about buying him. And now I feel like I'm having to message you. So she messages me today and she's like, Hey, is the stud still available? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I was just, you know, trying to be courteous. I haven't put him online yet. Cause I was giving you time, and she said, well, how tall is he? And I said, well, he's about 14'3". Oh, yeah, no, no way. Like, that that doesn't even need... She tells me that doesn't even need to be a stallion. Why are people breeding the confirmation out of these horses? And, it, and I responded to her, and I said, ma'am, smart little Lena is like 13'3". And most cutting horses are 14 hands, maybe 14'1". And there's nobody in America wanting to raise cutting horses that are 16 hands tall. Well, my, she tells me, well, my double-bred Kusa, first of all, Kusa is halter breeding, and I don't like it. I don't even want to own a Kusa. I don't like them. I think they're crazy. I've had two in my life. They were like barrel horses that were, you know... Went back to Kusa on the bottom side, you know, where somebody in Oklahoma had a Kusa bred mare. They bred to a race bred stud and then it ended up a barrel horse. And both of them were, were a little bit psycho, both of them. And, you know, I think one of them was out of an own daughter of Kusa and I was young. I was like 20, maybe 19 when I had that one and it just wanted to rear up all the time. So I don't like them. So I tell her, well, that's halter breeding. So then she starts telling me her plans to breed 16 hand tall cutting horses. Hey, what are you doing? Okay, you guys. <clears throat> so my phone rang and I had to answer it. And then, of course, it led to 90 other things. And so it's actually the next day that I'm going to finish telling you my story and finish up this podcast with a couple of other things. So, the lady gets to telling me <clears throat> that she's going to raise like 16 hand to 16 three hand tall cutting horses because she did some research anyway and started realizing that these men that are riding cutting horses are too big for them. And I'm just over it. So, I text her back and I'm like, okay, well, let me know how that goes for you. And, uh, I'll keep you in mind anytime we get any 16 hand or above cutting bread horses. That's what I tell her. And she's like, thank you so much. And I'm like, oh, so I proceed to put, um, Hickory online. His name is Murata's Hickory. I put him online because, you know, like I said, after she contacted me about selling him, I got to thinking about it and I was like, you know what? This is probably the best thing for him. So I put him online. And about 30 minutes after I advertise him, she inboxes me again. And she's like, hey, she's like, I just can't believe that you're going to go ahead and leave him a stud. 
So I didn't respond. And then she starts telling me how with his size, that's probably why he was dumped. Mind you, he's like 14.3. This is not a little bitty horse. He's like a good, I mean, he's a good size horse for a cutting bred horse. And kind of start, she starts to like tell me about how, you know, I need to be very careful advertising him because stallions can be aggressive. And then I tell her, hey, you know what? This horse has a great disposition. I'm not worried about him being aggressive. I buy and sell horses for a living. Like, thank you so much for your time. But you, you know, like, let me do me and you do you. And she sends me a nasty gram. And it's like, I knew from talking to you that um, you don't know as much about horses as you claim. And I just feel so bad for her because I feel like this is probably stuff that people, you know, like people project onto other people what they've been told. Like I've learned a long time ago that people are that say mean things about other people. That's just like a direct reflection of what's inside of them. So as she's telling me all of this, like I can tell that there's probably somebody online that has just scolded this lady's ass and said all of these things to her. And now at the first opportunity she's found, she's trying to project it onto me. And I messaged her back and I was like, Hey, why don't you just go look for some Arabians? It sounds to me like you're a fantastic Arabian breeder and maybe you can make it into the Arabian Hall of Fame with your genetics. I hope you have a super blessed day, but I'm blocking you because I don't allow people in my life ever, 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 do you guys hear me? Ever to talk down to me. Like, if you cannot respect me and be tactful, I'm out. And I blocked her. And you know how, I mean, obviously I've made a podcast about it, so. (laughs) But I'm telling you that it would have been so easy for me to tell her, like, what a fucking idiot I thought she was and how stupid. I mean, who on God's green earth finds a $2,000 stud horse on Facebook that somebody basically all in all has had to refeed because he's been in a bad situation and you make the comment this could be the kind of horse that gets me into the hall of fame the hall of fame of what your dreams I mean no like I mean what did she think she was gonna do buy him and breed him to her kusa daughter and she was gonna raise the next highbrow hickory I'm just very confused and I know that sounds ugly but I was just very confused what she thought she was accomplishing now with all of that being said this is not like me trying to bash on her because I know somebody will be like well you're gonna talk about how listen my podcast is so that I can talk to you guys about all of the stuff that I go through as a horse trader that is just insane. But it's also where I'm going to tell you about all the life lessons that I've learned and all of the great things that <laughs> I find that y'all need to know. And <clears throat> this is one of those situations to where this lady is like online because she's probably extremely lonely, you know? And she's messaging me because she needed somebody to talk to. And I've learned there's a lot of people that need people to talk to because they're unhappy. And they just need a little bit of joy in their life. Like, you know what? If talking to me for four days. And I thought that like on day two that she kind of had taken up up like a 30 minute block of my time. I thought to myself, shit, this is nuts. I can't do this. And I was like, well, you know what? This might just be one thing that she's super happy about right now. And it's bringing her joy. But I've also learned that people that have to find their joy in the internet are also the same kind of people that as soon as something disrupts their joy, they're irrational, which she was. Like I said, she told me that she couldn't believe that I was still marketing, that I was going to market him to the public knowing he's a stud when studs are aggressive. She also also told me that if I wanted what was best for him, I would go ahead and gild him and let a rescue rehome him. Which I thought was asinine. Why would I let a rescue rehome him? Like what? Like I'll rehome him. And the truth is he's absolutely awesome. He's awesome. But it is crazy to me as I sit back and I look at people like this and think to myself, this is what the horse industry has come to. Like, you know, I, I watch every day and think to myself, 
wow. Like, the horse industry used to be something. And now it's something, all right. But it's definitely not... It's not the horse industry I grew up in. I mean, we're getting to where every amateur is now a professional. Every Tom, Dick, or Harry who owns a horse is online with their two cents telling everybody else how to do it. And the truth is, people that cannot win, who cannot win, who just honestly don't have the talent or the ability, are online telling people that do have the talent and ability how come what they're doing is wrong. And I get so sick of seeing people shame people for carrying a whip or using spurs or not riding bitless. I mean, there are whole entire groups dedicated to changing the rules of dressage so that they can't use, um, like, cabassons or nosebands or dropped nosebands, figure eights, whatever you want to call them. Um, that that way they, they can't use them at all. I mean, a practice that has been since, whew, I mean, there are literally Roman statues of horses um, that have some kind of a noseband on. And I think it's sad that something that has been going on for eons <laughs> is now like taboo and people are trying to get it banned. And you know what's sad is PETA just purchased stock in seven racetracks. We're just coming into a time to where people that don't own horses, don't train horses, and don't actively participate in the sports in which we participate in are going to dictate how our sports are ran because they put themselves in positions of power and then they gather the masses of uneducated and attack. And I've told people from the very beginning, you may not like me and you may not like slaughter, but if you comment regarding me or slaughter online and you are any kind of a horse person, you are actually just adding to a narrative that one day is also going to conquer your industry. If you don't believe me, just listen. I listened to The Gauge the other night. It's another podcast about rodeo and they were talking about how they've now brought Breakaway into um, the NFR. And then I listened to another podcast and I can't remember what it was called. And it was talking about breakaway in the NFR and how eventually they think they're going to televise the breakaway and the calf roping will not be televised in my coming years. And eventually they're going to phase out calf roping altogether because people don't like to see the calves roped, jerked down and tied. So at least in breakaway roping, the calf like gets away, you know, they rope it and it runs off. So literally adding breakaway roping to the NFR, which is such a win for the breakaway ropers and the women who are phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal at that sport, who can actually compete with the boys and maybe even are better. It's such a win and such a, I mean, I was so happy for them, but to come to find out that it's been implemented because it may be what in the end phases at most recently will phase out calf roping televised portion of the NFR. Like they don't want the calf roping on TV because it gets misunderstood. And eventually calf roping, like the steer wrestling, not steer wrestling, I'm sorry, like the steer tripping might have to not even be during the finals. They have another event in rodeo called steer tripping and you can qualify for the national finals rodeo and steer tripping but they don't host that event during the normal NFR because people um, have phased it out. So now calf roping will also be phased out is what it's looking like. Now, nobody has said that officially. This is just what they were talking about in conversation, like how they've brought the calf roping in and how the, I mean, the breakaway roping in and how eventually it will probably be the televised portion of calf roping. And my phone is ringing. All right, you guys. So my phone rang again. I'm just telling y'all, people ask me all the time, how come I can be a little scatterbrained? And I tell people, if your phone rang as often as my phone rings, it would drive y'all crazy. My phone is a constant, (laughs) non-stop... 
never ending. And every single time that I, every single time that I stop to answer, it's because it's actually something really important. Like if it's just like my mom, I can text and be like, Hey, I'll call you back in a minute. You know, cause I'm going to, I know I'm going to talk to her for like an hour plus or like my best friend, Amanda or Lauren, you know, because I said earlier, I'm not much on texting. So a lot of my customers that text me updates, like you get kind of a short, sweet reply from me. Don't take it personal. I really just don't love texting. I'm not a big, huge texting fan, but I'll read your text, read every word. I just don't reply with a novel. But anyway, I do, I do talk on the phone. I, if you'll call me, I will talk because I feel like, um, there's never like a miscommunication of emotion and it just makes things very simple, very, very to the point. So anyway, anyway, so now that my phone is ringing again, I don't remember where I was. I should have probably listened to the end of that podcast to know where I was picking up today, but I didn't. So that's a thing. But I'm on my way to, to go do PEMF treatments on Glow, my good mare, and Dr. Rachel, and to ride the rest of my barrel horses. And <clears throat> we have a set of really nice horses leaving for a sale um, in Oklahoma. And they leave today. The guy that's taking them is picking them up. So we have six going and he takes them in. Um, rides them at the cell and I guess he kind of consigns them and he just makes a flat like a flat fee to do that for us so we've got some that which I'll tell you that we will be very excited to not have to put slinkies and blankets on because that group of horses is kind of higher end (laughs) so they have to have slinkies and blankets and all of that and my next episode that we will be talking about um will be nutrition, blanketing, selling horses. So if any of you guys know somebody that wants to sell horses for a living or has a horse for sale, or even if they've just bought a horse and they're wanting to improve its appearance, my next episode will be a really good episode for them to listen to. But I'm actually going to record it later on today. So that's a thing. So I'm going to go ahead and cut this short. I just didn't want to leave the last podcast off at my phone ringing again because that's a thing and it makes it hard. I just need to get better at this and I love you guys for being so patient with me. I looked last night and my podcast had 4,800 listens. The last episode did across all platforms and to know that there's almost 5,000 people that are listening to what I have to say, it's humbling and I appreciate it. And I know that my relationship with you guys is based on the fact that I am pretty real. I mean, I I try not to um, make things like a dog and pony show. I never want to feel like a celebrity. I know some people are like, oh, I don't know if I could do a podcast because... And I'm like, oh, I just talk to people like they're in the car with me. (laughs) Like, I don't don't ever want you guys to feel like I'm unapproachable. That's just not me. So I'm sorry that my podcasts are kind of real and like my phone rings and it cuts out and I have to take calls and then jump back on. And I know that it makes the listening a little on and off, but at the end of the day, that's the point of my podcast is to have a relationship with you guys because you're my tribe, you're my ride or dies, and you guys have followed me for a very long time and I love it and I appreciate it. And I've been very active on Instagram and on Snapchat. So please make sure that you follow me on Instagram. It's just Tara Michelle Sanders. Um, on Snapchat, it's Killpin Barbies with an S B A R B I E S Killpin Barbies. Um, Nikki and I jokingly made that name five years ago and no, three and a half years ago. And I can't change it. And I wanted to just go ahead and change it. But I have like a lot of people on Snap. And I just don't, you know, I don't want them to have to like find me again. And I don't know. Anyway, it is what it is. But um, my YouTube is The Horse Trader's Diary. And then my name, Tara Sanders. You can search either one. And my TikTok, I just started like a week ago. I have like two videos and they're just two different horses I've kind of bought that are more like rehab projects. They're not 
you know, they're not really like anything eventful. <laughs> so TikTok is kind of um, more of something I probably do late at night. Like I scroll and watch. It's not something I actively participate in being like a creator. So, but I have one. So if you follow me on TikTok, I'll follow back. And that way I can get to um, watch you guys' stuff too. So I love all of you. And like I said, I'll be back uh, with another podcast today. And that podcast will be um, just more of like nutrition, blanketing, selling horses advice, that kind of stuff. I have a couple of inbox questions um, that I'm going to answer. And so that's what will be in that podcast. But anyway, I love you guys and I will talk to you all soon. Hey, you guys, welcome to the Horse Trader's Diary. My name is Tara Sanders, and welcome to November. Uh, I definitely finally feel like fall is upon us instead of, um, well, you know, like, (laughs) like, I still felt like it was super summer uh, a week ago. It was like 90-something, and I was like, where is fall, y'all? And then a couple days after that, we had a cold front, and I was like, oh, so we're just not doing fall this year. We went from, we literally went from like 90 to 50 (laughs) during the day, and finally this week, like the cold front is gone, and it's 78 degrees today, and I'm like, okay, this is why I tolerate Louisiana, because our fall, winter, and spring are generally really, really great weathers. I don't really love summer here. Not only is summer just bliss, like the end of spring all of summer is just blistering hot and then the end of summer is all hurricanes like June July August is hurricane season and I am not about it it's mostly more like July August beginning of September but yeah no no but yeah so anyway the good weather is upon us and we have very mild winters like if we have a couple of days that it's below 50 in the in the winter that's cold for us and we get like in January for like a week in the winter we'll get like one week where it'll get a little cold it snowed one time since I've lived here lived here five years and we had like and by snow I mean like it was coming out of the sky but I don't even remember if it ever actively stuck to the ground so anyway I had a couple of people inbox me asking me questions about um just just buying and selling horses in today's market and you know right now the horse trader market is really high if you watch any of the sales live you will see that good riding horses are bringing a really good amount of money and um yeah you know it was it was something that I really have always been looking forward to is that the market would would get strong again I think after the election um if Donald Trump is still in office, we'll still, we'll not only still have a strong market, I think it will get stronger. I think if he's not elected, I do think that we're going to have a problem in the horse industry because I think they will start implementing changes within the first 12 months that's going to change the livelihood for a lot of people that also actively participate um, in the horse market, such as cattle raisers, day workers, um, oil filled, um, a lot of weekend, you know, rodeo people, a a lot of that will be affected. I've done a lot of research and some of the, um, oh, I, I, you know, some of the changes they want to make to the beef industry and the import and export of meats and crops. And I just know that if Donald Trump is not reelected, um, the current, I don't want to say situation, but the current state of the agriculture industry and even the oil field industry will change and probably rapidly. It looks from things that I've read and what I've researched that it is quick as 12 months, they can implement a lot of change. I mean, just a lot of change. So, um, this is not a political podcast by anybody's standards. If you are anti-Trump and you are anti-slaughter and you just want to save all the pretty horses and you're a vegan, this probably isn't the podcast for you. But if you still listen because you don't like me and you think I'm a horrible person because we have a kill pin and 
you know, we slaughter horses and we slaughter cattle and you're just very affected by those things to the point that you, um, follow me (laughs) and you follow what I'm doing and you're listening. You're probably also, you know, liberal and you're probably, um, Democrat and, you know, you're probably a Biden Harris supporter and, and that's fine. I mean, we all have to, um, follow our heart. And if yours is different than mine, um, I'm going to respect you enough to let you have your views, but I'm going to politely disagree. Um, I am a Republican and I am, um, I am a Trump supporter, you know, like I, (sighs) that's how I feel. I feel like Donald Trump was not a politician and it's what our country probably needed. Was he the perfect candidate for the situation? Um, yes, only because nobody else that was not a politician by trade really wanted to take that on. So now we have a Republican president who had no former political office. And I think it's, I think it's been a good change to shake up the flow of things in our government, because our government, a lot of people that are in our government have been in office for a very, very, very long time. So, um, I do feel like (laughs) he could stay off of Twitter more. Uh, you know, some of his policies I don't agree completely on, but the problem with bills and policies and, um, all of that is that, Uh, they get lumped into groups, meaning you don't get A without B because they all belong to this bill or this, you know, when they vote on things, it's a group you're not voting on one thing. So unfortunately it's how the Democrats do slip some things in that he's put, put in play only because, I mean, the, the thing I didn't like is that they have defunded a lot of planned parenthood, um, but by defunding some of the planned parenthood, it also defunded, uh, some cancer treatments for women that don't have insurance. And, uh, I don't, I don't like that. I think that, and, and here's my stance. I've been asked a lot lately, my stance on abortion. And I thought I am a horse trader. I am not a scholar. I am, not, but I am just a blue-collar, hardworking American woman who is very independent, who is very self-aware, and who is very much so in control of my body. Which means that, um, you know, no is no, and I'm not going to ever be led to feel like I am somebody's property. And even if I have sex with you, we're going to have sex the way I want to have sex in the position I choose. Like I am a bossy ass woman. Like I am. And you know, I told somebody the other day, just because I'm a strong, independent woman doesn't mean I'm necessarily a feminist. Um, I do like to cook. I, you know, I don't get to cook very often. I'm busy. We do have a housekeeper who comes, uh, sometimes twice a week. She comes once a week right now through the holidays because, uh, you know, her kids have been like, you know, she didn't come this last week, but one day cause they were getting ready for Halloween and next week she'll come twice. And then the following week she'll only come once because, um, just basically they have plans for Thanksgiving and she's going to come once and then they're going to be gone. So I do have somebody that comes in and kind of keeps my house so that Jacob and I don't live in filth because a lot of times we come in Um, and we're exhausted and we take showers and I get Tinley ready for bed and I go to bed and, um, the next morning when I get up, we're gone again and it doesn't leave a ton of time to just straighten my house. I mean, I'm, I can get the laundry by the washing machine and I can get, (laughs) uh, you know, like I, I can get the basics done. I can get the dishes in the dishwasher at least, you know, so that, uh, each day so that, you know, we don't have too big of a mess, but it's nice to have somebody come in and deep clean our house, especially with us being in the livestock industry because we track in so much mud and dirt and horse hair and dog hair and just all of that. I mean, I've got two dogs that live in the house. One's long haired and then bear. He's just a ding dong. I don't know what he is. He's thick haired, but not long haired. 
kind of like a lab. He's a Rottweiler black lab cross. So you can imagine. Um, so the reason that I even let politics be said in the first part of this podcast, because I swore that I wasn't ever going to do that, is because it is presidential election time. I mean, we are either going to have a new president or the same president, and we don't know which one, and it is very scary um, for both sides because we are so divided in America right now, and I want for any of my liberal counterparts to know that I understand your frustration, and I understand your heart, and I understand why you guys desperately seek the change that you want. I just think that we need to find change in America without destroying so many people's livelihoods. Um, so I've been asked a lot my stance on abortion, and I will tell you that um, as a Christian, I, I don't think that abortion should be used as a method of birth control. Um, I think if you're a 22-year-old woman and you're just out having sex and you forget to take your pill when we do have birth control methods available, um, or you're a 22-year-old woman and you get pregnant and you decide that you just don't want to have a baby with that man, I don't, I, you know, I think that that happens far too often because abortion is taken so lightly. And I think that that's sad. I think it's sad. I think it's sad to rip a child from your womb because you made kind of reckless, selfish, decisions. However, I feel like medical abortions are sometimes necessary. Um, I am grateful and I think most of my very conservative counterparts, because I'm somewhere in the middle, um, will disagree with me here and say that no abortion is ever okay, that that's just murder. And I think there's a lot of you that are like me that you sit in the middle and you know, and you're grateful. You are very grateful for the fact that you've never been faced with the fact that your child is um, abnormal or has major problems or that something is so wrong with you that it might kill you or it's going to kill you if you have the baby. And because we've never, honestly, I can say, you know, I say, um, well, and I, I'm going to say this before I had Tinley, if you had told me that giving birth to her would kill me, I still would have given birth to her because I would have given her life and sacrificed mine. Absolutely. I would have laid my life down for hers. But now that I have her and Jacob and I have a family and my daughter is so little and she needs me. I'm not selfish enough to think that she couldn't have a bonus mom or her grandparents aren't amazing or my best friend Amanda wouldn't be amazing. But if I got pregnant again and I had a major complication and I was going to die to give birth, um, it is something that I would have to really, really think about because my daughter needs me and I, it's not a selfish decision. I I would lay my life down in a heartbeat for a child. Um, but I just think that we should be very grateful, all of us, that we're not currently in that position to where we have to make that choice first and foremost. And secondly, I think it's very hard for any of us to judge people when we don't know their circumstances. I will say that um, from my one of my best friends being a DCSF, or, you know, she's an attorney, but she takes a lot of cases to where she's a child's defense attorney and works um, with DCSF. I, I don't get a lot of details in her cases, but occasionally, like, there will be something on the news, and I'll text and say, like, hey, are you, you know, is this something that you're going to have to handle and she'll give me like a yes or no. Like, yeah, you know, that's in Rapides Parish. And I just know instantly like that she's going to have to deal with this. And instances where um, like a child is addicted to heroin and was left on the church steps, 
you know, and I'll text her and be like, oh gosh, is this, you know, this is heartbreaking. And she'll just say like, yep, I, I got to meet that baby last night. You know, like I don't get like details about, I'm, and I'm one of those people that I, oh, it kills me sometimes. I'm like, I just, you know, I'm like a very detailed prayer. That's what I call it when you're nosy as hell. I call it a very detailed prayer. I need all the details so that my prayers can be in detail. (laughs) Come on, you guys. You know we've all been there. I'm like, I need details to this. So I call it a detailed prayer because um, I'm from the South. And that's how women get away with being extremely nosy in the name of Jesus. I am a detailed prayer. And if somebody can please pass all of the details of this on to me privately so that I can read through them, so that I know how to pray for this situation. (laughs) You know, I am interested in in passing prayers to this family, so please. All details must come to my inbox immediately. And um, that's code for Super Nosy Karen. (laughs) Sorry, I know this is going to come across your speakers so loud. I just can't help but get a good belly laugh out of that, because we all know a detailed prayer, you know? So anyway... I'm a little bit of a detailed prayer and, um, you know, I just kind of like to know the details and poor Lauren, she's like, eh, you know, so sometimes in some of those cases I get like a, yes, I, yep, I met that baby last night with like a, you know, like a heart and I'll just know that, that in situations like that, I don't know what would be best. You know, I, a lot of those kids go on to be, um, adopted by one, or they, you know, have to go to foster care, but they get adopted eventually by wonderful families. But I also see a lot of cases to where the heroin addicts have the babies and take them home. And then, um, you hear about the sex trafficking cases of eight-year-olds where an eight-year-old has been trafficked by her very, 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 very heroin addicted mother to multiple men. And now she's got, you know, STIs and STDs and, um, just awful, you know, like just gut wrenching, awful, awful things that are like out of a horror. Like you don't even believe that that could be reality. And I'm going to be honest. There were a lot of things that were not so present in my life to where I just kind of thought like, I thought that like to be sex trafficked, it's because you got stole off the side of the road by, um, you know, a madman who was going to sell you to China or Thailand or Mexico or something. I, I, until the last year of my life, I did not know that sex trafficking happened like in our backyard, (laughs) like in our own communities like, I didn't believe that. I, I thought that that was, like, kind of far-fetched until I have a best friend that is an attorney and deals with DCSF. And I started paying attention to the news a little bit more about cases that involved kids just because I want to be able to be a very supportive friend and pray for her. Because now I know, like, oh, if it's a kid and it's in Rapids Parish, she's probably going to have to be dealing with this in person. And she's very, very soft. And um, also a very great attorney. And I want to be able to be sympathetic. Like if we're at lunch and she's not eating her food and stirring her soup. And I saw a case on TV where a little boy, you know, drowned or um, was murdered or something crazy. I know she's probably dealing with that firsthand and had to go see the body. You know what I mean? Like, so these things to me are more of a reality in my life because that's my friend and I'm going to make mental notes of she probably needs me to maybe send her some flowers and give her a hug this week when I see her, you know, like it has nothing to do with that. I'm really that nosy. It's just really that I like to know what she's dealing with so that I can be a supportive friend because that's what I have friends for. That's they support me. They love me unconditionally. They defend me to the masses. And um, I feel like I need to be that friend back. But when you start seeing situations to where eight-year-old little girls are being sex trafficked by their mother to random men on a regular basis to the point that an eight-year-old needs vaginal reconstructive surgery, it's not okay. It's not okay. And... 
you know, in those cases you think, like, if an abortion was available, you know, would it have been better for that psychopath monster to have had a, have an abortion versus having this child and putting them through what they did? So, would we see more of that? You know, would we see more heroin addicted psychopaths? Because heroin changes. I mean, those people were somebody's child. And we all hear people say, you know, um, hate the addiction but love the addict. And I'm going to tell you that that's probably right until the addict turns into a monster. But the problem is, is that those drugs change the chemical makeup of their brain. And they, they turn into monsters I think without really realizing that they have and um, as a very open-minded American um, I also think in those situations maybe we can vote for adult euthanasia like is that possible can we start just putting down like Chris Watts can we just put him to sleep like I would just can we just put him can we put him down so as you guys can see death is not um, a scary thing for me I've thought about my own demise and I have a plan in case something happens to me, you know, so that Tinley and Jacob and my family have a, have way less to worry about. So it's no wonder that I'm pro slaughter for horses and cattle because I'm like, can we vote for adult human euthanasia? (laughs) Like, can we, so I am a little, a little different on some of those fronts, but the answer on abortion is I, I don't. I do not believe that we should not have abortion available. And that is so hard to say as a Christian. It's hard to say. And there will be people that will say, you're not a Christian if you believe in that because it's murder. And, you know, I mean, you're never going to win in situations like this because they're they're such strong opinions. I just, I don't know if we would see more of the sex trafficked young children if heroin addicts didn't have a way to maybe terminate pregnancies that they should have never had to begin with. So when I make the decision on something, it is not based on like irrational emotion or quick thought or based on a political party. I look at things and I research things and I read and I dig and I try to understand from the standpoint of somebody that would walk into an abortion clinic and have an abortion, what could be so wrong in your life that you feel like it's better to kill someone, that it's better to kill them than it is to save their life and give them for adoption, or it's better to kill them than it is to um, just um, handle your mistake as an adult, you know, lots of people are single moms. Lots of people have children out of wedlock. Like what, why could you be so selfish that you wouldn't handle your business? You know, you were woman enough to lay down and have sex. Why would you not be woman enough to raise the product of that? Because that's the way I want to feel. I want to be very strong and say no abortions, you know, abortions are too readily available. But then I fall a little further down the rabbit hole of the eight-year-old sex trafficked, you know, little girl addicted to heroin, heroin addict mother, her genitalia is mutilated. She has to have reconstructive surgery. And if that's just one case that happened here local, there's probably 10 more cases that happen statewide. And there's probably thousands of cases that happen nationwide per year. And um, if we didn't have abortion, would that turn into 5,000 cases. And I will say that, um, I am Christian enough to believe that we serve a wonderful God, a very forgiving God. And I feel like in those cases, um, those children are better in the hands of God than they are in the hands of a monster. And I'm about to cry because I feel that way in my soul. And I think that when we start taking people's rights away, um, we start jeopardizing the future of very innocent children that didn't need to be brought into situations. 
But I also feel like we need to back up and start to realize why we have so many heroin heroin addicted people and why we have so many monsters in this world, as I call them. And it's not fair to call them that because they are somebody's child and they are very loved and they are very, I mean, even though Chris Watts said I use him as an example because I actually met him in person. I sat at a dinner table with him on two occasions through Lavelle. And, um, I knew that their marriage was an extremely unhappy one, but I never would have pictured him to be a monster who could take the lives of his wife and whether he did it or Nicole Kessinger did it, I would have never thought that he would allow his children to be murdered. So I say monster because I feel like people like him are. Does it mean that his family loves him any less? I feel like you in those situations probably feel like that person's a monster, but they still grieve the same. It's like almost like you Can you imagine his family? They lost their daughter-in-law, their grandchildren, and their son. You know, the son as they knew him. And then have to suffer knowing what he did. So I think that there may be a mental health crisis in America that we are not addressing. And I feel like until we start to maybe make mental health a priority, starting at a very young age... And start to be a more compassionate society. Uh, we're, we're not going in the right direction. So I feel like our issues as Americans stem with one another. Long before it even makes it to who our president is. So I feel like if you guys want to see radical change, let's start by being kinder to one another. Let's start by trying to be more understanding of each other. And let's start by trying to be a little better quality citizen so that the people around us um, have support. And I just told you, my, my friend is an attorney for DCFS and I pay attention to some of the cases on the news that I know she's going to have to see firsthand just so that when I know she's got a bad one coming, I can, even though she can't talk to me about it, I can just be a little better friend that week. I can just be a little bit better friend that week. I can be a little more supportive. You know, I can be a little kinder. I can maybe do something nice for her that maybe if that day she's sitting at her desk and this is it, she's had it and the sorrow of all of the horrible things she sees is too much, something can just lighten that load a little bit that I've said or done or flowers or um, she was going through a really bad case that was on the TV a little bit and I went to her house for dinner for like a week straight and had dinner with her and her daughter and just um, that way she had to just you know like we talked about everything but that and just really had a um, kind of just a just a kind of like girls uh, took Tinley over and you know Tinley always brightens everyone's spirit She's, she was one and a half at the time you know one um children that age have a really awesome way of just making everybody's day a little bit better for no no apparent reason you know so it's just um something to think about you know so if I'm pro-abortion or anti-abortion or I am Republican or Democrat or whatever I am as an as a political party at the end of the day the truth is I'm an American citizen surrounded by a lot of people that are suffering and struggling and I think that I want to put my political party aside and I want to put my views aside and I want to tell each and every one of you today that I love you and I respect you and I know that you are going through something in your life that sucks because we all do on a regular basis Um, with all good comes bad And we're never going to go through a full year that we don't have hiccups, speed bumps, just stuff that sucks. And I think as a tribe, I think we should all be in the Kill Pen and Auction Horses Facebook group. And we should be posting updates of our horses. And we should just be making an effort actively, all of us, every single one of us listening to this, to just be a little bit better quality neighbor. (laughs) to be a little more understanding and to know that mental illness is real 
and that um, I suffered from postpartum um, issues and I ended up being diagnosed with um, adult ADHD and I have probably lived with it for a very, very long time in my life and I had some personality flaws that were probably a, a, a like a reflection of my body's lack of stimulation or, you know, needing to be stimulated, needing that, that stimulation. And so to react flighty, to do just a lot of the things that I did were just a, um, just a way for my body to get stimulation, you know, being confrontational, being aggressive, um, it would spark, you know, it would spark a emotion in me, which would stimulate me. And that's what I was lacking. And, um, it's amazing how, when, I mean, I, I had very, very minor, 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 minor issues compared to a lot of people who have real hormonal imbalances, real major issues that, you know, um, like they have had a head injury or they have, um, genetic something mine was very minor and it was just that I had lived my life with undiagnosed ADHD or I think I had self-diagnosed it laughingly and because I did have such minor symptoms I handled it so well that it was very hard for any doctor to really say that's what I had because I I also have a lot of points that are that don't point that way um so it took a really good doctor um, to send me for a psychiatric evaluation just after my postpartum issues and I almost didn't go because I thought I'm not crazy and he said I oh no by no means do I think you're crazy he said I just know that from some of the things that that you told me I think that you are needing um, maybe a stimulant like you told me several things that lead me to think this and I work hand in hand with a really good psychiatrist and I think that all people he said 95% of his adult patients he sends for that evaluation not even because he believes that they are mentally ill but because he believes that um, understanding your genetic makeup and your mental state and, and how you work makes life so much easier and it was honest to God the very best thing I ever did in my life because I got such an understanding for the way that my body works and then Jacob did it and we got an understanding for the way that he works and we all of a sudden became very much so understanding, forgiving and very helpful of each other's, um, I don't want to say like, uh, weak points, but you know, like Jacob has a slight addictive personality to where I have no addictive personality traits at all. And so Jacob um, had gambled a lot in the past and had a gambling addiction and it was really hard and it was some of the reason that he stayed in the job that he had that led to him being arrested because he needed to make that kind of money to continue to fuel his gambling addiction. Um, So I guess better gambling than drugs, but in the same breath, it, it made it harder or almost impossible for him to walk away from the job that he was in that was spiraling that led to him being part of, um, you know, part of something that ended up getting him arrested and ended up getting him, you know, like a felony. So I never had really looked at it that way. I had never taken into, I knew that Jacob was like making money and, you know, at that point it was kind of like, our bills and lifestyle had, oh, I don't know, maybe, um, been, been, um, I guess hot, high enough. Like our lifestyle was, <laughs> was expensive. And so I knew that he probably stayed in that job because without it, um, our lifestyle would have changed drastically, which it did anyway when he got arrested. But, um, you know, I, some of it was very selfless, but some of it was very selfish, you know, like to know that he had such a bad gambling addiction and that, um, 
And some of the gambling addiction was also due because Jacob is kind-hearted and he kept thinking, well, maybe if I go to the casino and I win really big, then I can um, pay like a year's worth of payments or, you know, like six months worth of payments and then I can quit and then walk away from it. You know, it was just a very, that was something that I'm just glad. Let me say that. I am very glad that we took the time to go have that done. And I think that if we're both very normal, very normal compared to most people that we know and probably, um, really normal compared to a lot of people we don't know. If we both could have minor mental health things that it was good for us to talk about and to understand, imagine the rest of America. So anyway, I'm here and I hope that this podcast doesn't scare you guys away because it's a lot of topics that I really wish that I wouldn't talk about on my horse trader podcast, but maybe felt like if we could just get it out of the way, it's over and the election will be over and we will get along and not have so much political (laughs) talk. And I absolutely love you guys and I will see y'all soon.